If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is a special edition. News 1023. Tulsa's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic. And the home of the three big things you need to know. Listen on air, online at krmg.com, and on the KRMG app. The KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour starts now. Good morning. It is 8 o'clock. Our top story on the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter. Nearly every aspect of our daily lives is touched by technology. And where there's tech, there's vulnerability. Our nation's security agencies, our military, our political and business leaders grapple daily with cybersecurity. Your personal identity can be compromised in any number of ways, and your finances wrecked if you're not careful. The University of Tulsa is hosting a summit this week on cybersecurity. KRMG goes in-depth. And to get our 8 a.m. in-depth hour started, here's KRMG's Russell Mills. TU Professor John Hale's job title tells you a little bit about the sophistication of the university's offerings in the field of cybersecurity. He is the Tandy Professor of Bioinformatics and Computational Biology at the College of Engineering and Natural Sciences. He's also one of the minds behind the Tulsa Cyber Summit happening this week at TU. He tells me it's an event that uh, we dreamed up uh, last year as a way to promote, really, the city and the university as kind of a hotbed for cybersecurity innovation, uh, research, and education. Notice he said promote, not create a hotbed, because TU has been way ahead of the curve on that. We've been doing cybersecurity for about 20 years. Uh, you know, well before it was a popular thing to do. We were one of a handful of schools recognized by the National Security Agency back in 2000 as a center of excellence in that area and uh, have sort of built our reputation with uh, the federal government uh, in that space kind of rather quietly, in fact, the past 20 years. Hale says it started with a professor who came on board with a bunch of research and some ideas on growing cybersecurity as a track of study. In as much as we had already established relationships and had uh, sort of a relatively deep bench uh, in, in expertise in terms of students and faculty, uh, we were able to build our program out, and it's just sort of exploded from there. And now, of course, cybersecurity is not just a government's problem, it's everybody's problem. In other words, it's a growth industry. And with the foundation already laid by TU, Hale says... I believe there's a real opportunity here for cybersecurity to be, uh, at least the industry, to be sort of a, an engine for economic growth for Tulsa. As a result of TU's reputation, they've had no trouble bringing some big names to town for the summit. It was incredibly easy to get the speakers we got just because we had, you know, contacts. Uh, alumni were, you know, are coming back and they reached out to their network of individuals and putting together the... Uh, the lineup um, really is a testament to uh, the critical mass that's here in, in town. A couple examples you may have heard of. Uh, headliner is uh, former CIA Director John Brennan, who's going to kick things off for us on Monday. We have uh, Anshal Gupta, who's Director of Security for Facebook, uh, and a few other notable keynote speakers. I'm told they had room for 400 participants and sold out. Now, in what IT folks call the war between the white hats and the black hats, the black hats always seem to be a bit ahead. 
But Hale tells me he's hopeful. And I, you know, my personal hope is once we uh, mature a little more, we can go from this reactive, perpetually responding to, you know, yesterday's threat to a more forward-leaning posture where we're somewhat ahead of the game. And you can expect to hear more about how our city and the university plan to lead the charge. Russell Mills, News 1023 KRMG. Thank you, Russell, and thank you, Professor Hale. I think that gives us a sense of how central the city of Tulsa has become to the field of cybersecurity. And, and maybe we're starting to understand, too, that the summit taking place here today and tomorrow is a, it's a world-class event, and it's bringing the best of the best to town for discussions that have implications for, for all of us. Uh, I'm excited to have two of the best of the best white hats here sitting next to me in the studio for the hour. Sal Aragema is a TU Assistant Professor of Computer Information Systems. He teaches telecommunications, information security, and business programming concepts for TU's Collins College of Business School of Accounting and Computer Information Systems. He's a Navy veteran of 20-plus years with over a decade of experience in the uh, IT field. Dominic Schulte is a TU graduate and the president of Tulsa-based True Digital Security. He uh, also served as True's operations director and its managing director of security services and consulting. In that capacity, he was responsible for the development and execution of a wide range of security and regulatory compliance services. And previously, Dominic worked with the National Security Agency as a global network exploitation and vulnerability analyst in the National Security Incident and Response Center, the NSERC. Dominic Schulte and uh, Sal Arajama, welcome to both of you. Well, thank you very much. Yes, thank you. I love that both of you have backgrounds that can kind of give us insights into all three of the topic areas that I want to touch on here, and that's national security, our family's privacy and security, and then Tulsa's leading role in providing that security. So let's let's start with the big picture. Let's start with national security first. And I'm going to start with, I know this is an overly broad, kind of loaded question for both of you, but how vulnerable is our country to a catastrophic cyber attack? Dom, you worked with the NSA. What do you think? There's certainly vulnerability. It's something that you don't even have to look past our own leaders in the government who are saying the same things even recently in the headlines, and that's it's a very challenging area. I mean, the reality is it's a cat and mouse game, and the, the cat only needs one way in, whereas yeah. we're very much in a, in a position of trying to defend and stop every single gap. So there, there's vulnerability. Um, there are a lot of really good, intelligent people who are working on, on solving that problem, and we've made a lot of, a lot of strides in doing so. We heard John Hale say there that uh, you know the, the black hats always seem to be a step ahead of the white hats, but he senses that that may be changing. Do you agree? I would say so. I mean, the reality is we're a, a very immature field uh, in cybersecurity, so it's something that there's a lot to be learned, but, but we are over time as, as education starts to mature, um, as we get some more experience, um, we're learning what works and what doesn't work. We're learning how to apply the, the right strategies to, to stop as many of those attacks as possible. Uh, it's never going to be a, a perfect state of security, but, but I think we are improving, and I think even though the headlines continue to to identify, you know, breaches and attacks. I think over time we will see that that the severity goes down, at least the the frequency, if not the severity. Sal Arjema, are we vulnerable to a catastrophic event? I agree with Dominic. There are many vulnerabilities across different industry sectors. What I will say is that uh, we've we've taken it seriously throughout. Uh, the military, the government, and especially in this region, we have a lot of energy companies. And part of the critical infrastructure protection plans, they understand that they're vulnerable 
and they're working together. Many different sectors have uh, intelligence sharing analysis uh, organizations that help share vulnerabilities and best practices to help us protect ourselves. So I guess catastrophic can mean a lot of different things. Bad things can happen. We can have a cyber attack that can ha- that can get in the news and, you know, there may be the, the potential that people can die. But taking the country offline for a significant period of time, I think we are making great progress mm. in protecting ourselves from that kind of event. However, we have to constantly be on our toes because there are numerous, whether it's nation states or hacktivists and other organizations that are truly doing their best to develop a plan to when necessary or when they desire to, to try to come after components of our uh, infrastructure. When you think of uh, foreign entities threatening the United States, you think of, okay, well, we've got the Pentagon. We've got our military to protect us. But with cyber threats, you're depending as much on private companies, small government uh, operations, families. I mean, like you said, Don, there are lots of holes they can wiggle through. So how much of this depends on companies, for instance, being up to speed on their cybersecurity game? That's a, a huge part of the, of, the, of the challenge. And that's why events like the Cybersecurity Summit are so huge in that it brings together p- players from public sector, private sector, um, as well as education to help further the dialogue. So it's one of those where we're talking about the problems, we're all understanding how better to work together. I mean, that was one of the biggest things that was identified in 9-11 was the number of communication breakdowns. And that's really something that we're starting to see more and more is public and private sector learning how to cooperate in this area. Private sector vulnerabilities? Oh, absolutely there are. And and part of the problem is, is that the entire global economy that's based on this internet thing is really, you know, spawned only in the last 20, 30 years. So we have a lot of focus on on trying to keep our businesses running. And especially for private companies, their focus is on, you know, hey, can we pay the bills? Can we provide our services? And security wasn't, I won't say not even the first, maybe it wasn't even on the list of things that they were concerned about when they were building out their business. So we do rely on private companies for our economy. And it is becoming more and more evident as these large data breaches get in the news that even the best, the Googles, the Facebooks and others, they're having a hard time protecting themselves from the adversary. So if you can maybe scale that down and look at the smaller businesses, uh, security is becoming important in, in our personal lives and, and even the mom and pop coffee shops. So I do believe that that we have a long way to go, but the fact that we're even talking about this uh, on the air and we have the Tulsa Cyber Summit, as Dominic mentioned, is hopefully shining the light and providing some visibility to those organizations that never really thought about security before and have to really now think about everything they do in business. Can someone from afar perhaps either take or interfere with their ability to to do business? Hmm. So. Yeah, the private company infrastructure in the United States is is absolutely vital to our national security, and um, that's that's really why we need to spread the word and get better education across the board. How have the types of threats and the hackers changed over the past five, ten years? Well, automation and the skill level of the attackers is increasing. Um, Taking the nation states out of it, taking taking the potential uh, other countries that have all the resources available to them, cyber criminal gangs have become much more organized, and they are businesses in their own right. So while we go to Amazon.com or, or some other uh, website to buy tools, 
the cyber criminals have their own marketplaces to share information and buy tools and and help each other, you know, conduct crime that affects each and every one of us. So whether it's ransomware solutions, there's there's people that when they steal their credit cards, they they have to market those credit cards and, and actually use them against businesses throughout the world. So definitely we're seeing over the last five years, there's more of a consolidation of skills and commoditization of the things that are being done against us in terms of cybersecurity. That's bad, but it also gives us an opportunity. So when that structure starts to coalesce and they become more dependent on those business processes, well, then then perhaps we have a better chance of understanding and disrupting them as we go forward. And that's why we have great agencies like the NSA and the FBI to help us. Sal Aragema is a TU Assistant Professor of Computer Information Systems. My other guest is Dom Schulte. He's a TU graduate and the president of Tulsa-based True Digital Security. We'll ask Dominic in just a moment uh, about some breaches that he's seen here locally and how he thinks hackers have changed in recent years. We tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes, all day. Now, back to the KRMG Morning News, 8 a.m. in Death Hour on News 1023 KRMG. I'm Dan Potter, 820 now. KRMG 8 a.m. In-Depth Hour on the Cybersecurity Summit that's taking place in Tulsa today and tomorrow. In the studio with me, Dominic Schulte, a TU graduate and the president of Tulsa-based True Digital Security, and Sal Aragema, TU Assistant Professor of Computer Information Systems. And uh, Sal, during the break, we were talking about Dom's company, um, True the folks at TU are awfully proud of, of what Dominic and, and his crew at True have done. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a number of CyberCorps graduates went out and did great things for the, for the government. We had Dominic went to NSA and uh, Gerald Dawkins, one of the founding members of True Digital, also went out and did his, uh, his service to his country. And they came back and, and they came back to Tulsa and they brought their expertise and they pretty much built the first homegrown cybersecurity company in Tulsa. And they are, in my opinion, they're, they're the like anchor of the, the technical knowledge related to cybersecurity mm. in the city. So as we begin to grow and get more and more companies and different architectures that need to be protected. People are going to look to True first, and they're very supportive of our students in the university. They, they do internships. Two of my favorite students are working there full-time now, and I have more that I'll probably be sending that way. But when it comes to professionalism and knowledge in the industry, uh, we have very high regard for the people at True Digital. What's your clientele like, Don? We have so we grew uh, for the first ten years or so primarily through through word of mouth and very much locally based, relationally based. So we have we've worked, been fortunate to work with many of the 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 local major organizations in the area, and, but we also have clients from from coast to coast. So one of the things that's the the reality of this space and it kind of goes back to the public private partnership is that compliance and regulations drive everything. So. Really, a lot of it has been more based on, on sectors as it relates to those regulations. So things like HIPAA that many people are familiar with in the healthcare space um, demonstrates it's one of those like it, healthcare organizations are required to to comply. They're required to do certain things to protect their information, their systems, as well as their their patients' information. So it's they don't have a choice and they have to work with organizations like us to come in and do a, a risk assessment, for example, to help them identify potential gaps, as we were talking about earlier, those holes that would allow a hacker to get in. What is the most egregious breach that you've seen in your time at True? 
I don't know about the most egregious, but one of the things that we have a unique perspective into is that um, we have a security operations center, which basically means we have sensors out on our clients' networks that are watching for breaches, are watching for hackers to get in. So right now, in some command center at True, there are people looking at monitors, monitoring the traffic and the potential threats on your clients. Exactly. Okay. So we get to see, you know, from day to day, week to week, all the the trends and all the threats. Um, they're very real, and we get to work you know, directly with our clients and saying, this is what's happening. This is what you need to do to respond. And this is what you need to do in the future to prevent that from happening. One of the things that's been prevalent for at least the last five years is is ransomware. That's something that, you know, Mm -hmm. many listeners would have heard of that, but it's basically, it's, um, these criminal organizations we've been talking about coming in and encrypting an organization's files, basically holding it ransom saying, you're not going to be able to use this until you pay us ransom. So we've seen that in quite a few organizations in our region and beyond where, we were able to identify in many cases quickly to say, okay, this is going on. You need to pull that, you know, that machine, you need to shut this down so it doesn't spread further than it has. And we walk them through uh, kind of the aftermath of cleaning up and getting access to all of their data again. Have you seen malware attacks that you couldn't, uh, you couldn't solve and that they had to pay ransom to get their access to their data again? The unfortunate reality of, of the game is that they are very good at what they do, and in many cases, if you don't, if you're not set up beforehand in a in, in a strong posture, it, it's too late once it happens. Wow. So yes, there are many cases where they they either had to pay that fine, or or they were unable to get access to the data. It's something that, especially for small to, to medium sized organizations, if they're not prepared when that happens, it, it may be the end of their business. Do you think companies are doing a better job now at, at being prepared for that kind of attack? Well, first and foremost, I, I really do believe that cybersecurity is fundamentally very difficult. And that's why we need more people that are aware of it, but also trained to be able to do these things that we call fundamentals. Just because something is fundamental doesn't mean it's easy. So IT in general is hard enough and people have to train on that. But when it comes to security, not only have to understand IT and the business side, but then also how can you be attacked and how can you recover from it? So what Dominic mentioned, you'll hear about in the news all the time that there was a breach and the and let's say this this municipality had to pay four hundred thousand dollars because they didn't do backups. And that sounds like a simple thing to do backups, but when you have, you know, thousands of uh client computers and hundreds of servers and you throw some servers are in the cloud and in different locations, it's incredibly difficult to do that. So I do believe that companies are taking it more seriously now, mainly because these breaches are getting into the news mm. and the regulations are becoming stricter and stricter in terms of if you lose your customer's personal identifiable information, you're going to be held accountable and you're going to be fined. And in some cases with um, like the EU, for instance, not only can you be fined, but individuals in the company can be fined if they don't do their job. So. Yeah, I believe the regulation is pushing us towards that, but we have so far to go for for many, many companies. And, and I'll just throw this out. The United States government gets hacked on a regular basis. I've been a victim of that. I'm sure Dominic was in the same data pool that got breached from the Office of Personnel Management not too long ago. Yeah. And if the federal government um, is under attack and, and the bad guys succeed against them, it's a huge challenge for someone that's not a nation. Well, yeah, it's a huge challenge for a company, for a small government. What about for a family? What about for you and yours? We'll get into that. 
The KRMG Morning News is digging deep into the topic of cybersecurity. From protecting our nation to protecting your bank account, it's a topic that, whether you realize it or not, impacts nearly every aspect of modern life. TU has quietly built a major reputation as a leader in the field of cybersecurity, and as Professor John Hale tells me... I believe there's a real opportunity here for cybersecurity to be, uh, at least the industry, to be sort of a, an engine for economic growth for Tulsa. Russell Mills, News 1023, KRMG. KRMG News Time now. It's 8.34. My guests in the studio are Sal Aragema, who is a TU Assistant Professor of Computer Information Systems, and Dominic Schulte, a TU grad, president of Tulsa-based True Digital Security. We have talked a little bit about the the conference, the summit that's going on uh, in Tulsa today and tomorrow, but but Sal, can you just kind of give us a sense of the gravitas of that, the, the kind of people that are at this uh, summit and, and the kinds of issues that are being discussed? Well, these are world leaders in cybersecurity. And, and for instance, you know, former director of the CIA coming to talk about cybersecurity from the perspective of national level security that gets down into how our economy works and then how we as individuals share our data and how we protect it to leaders in security, so the chief information security officer for Facebook. I mean, these are not small organizations. They have a tremendous challenge to protect their users' data, as well as you can see, you've seen the impact of when some of our private companies get affected by outsiders, what that can do to protect perhaps our democratic process. So the fact that we can get those kind of leaders, and then we're, we also have a number of speakers talking about specific cybersecurity research that's very deep but very interesting. Like We have people that are coming in to talk about car hacking. So as we start moving towards autonomous uh-huh. vehicles in the future, there are people looking at how can that be used and how can we protect that. And the fact that we have people, especially in the automotive industry, that are now taking that seriously is really good for us because they're building security in instead of trying to bolt it on later, and that pretty much always fails. So the fact that we can get these large names in, and we have um, people coming to the conference from all over the United States, if I'm I'm assuming even from outside the United States, it goes to show that people recognize that the city cares about cybersecurity, not only as a potential future industry and our current industry, but also that we want to be leaders and help people improve over time. A few moments ago, our Skylar Cooper asked Tulsa Mayor G.T. Bynum about uh, the caliber of TU's cybersecurity program. We happen to have probably the foremost cybersecurity program in the United States at the University of Tulsa. A lot of people in town don't realize that. That's because they don't promote it uh, intentionally. So it's not the kind of thing that you put up neon signs and point toward, but we do. And so we have the intellectual capital already here in Tulsa. For this to really take off and grow, what we need is uh, for the businesses to start growing out of that. And so I'm very excited to have this summit here. I think it's a perfect reflection of uh, sort of the center of gravity that Tulsa has become in the field of cybersecurity. And, you know, cybersecurity is not something that is a fad that's going to go out of fashion in a couple of years. It is only going to grow in importance as the years go by. And so the fact that we have a center of excellence already right here in Tulsa and the potential to grow in that field is very exciting. And I'm thankful that we have the summit here in town. Are we going to be the Silicon Valley of this field? Well, we have the potential to be because what Stanford was to Silicon Valley, the University of Tulsa can be 
to cybersecurity. We already have the expertise at the University of Tulsa in that field. People come from all around the world to study cybersecurity at the University of Tulsa. The challenge we have is that there are so many agencies that that want to utilize their expertise. It's a challenge for us to get businesses uh, started out of those graduates. Mayor G.T. Bynum, uh, Dominic Schulte in the studio with me is the president of Tulsa-based True Digital Security. If you've been listening, you already know that uh, True is one of the leaders in this field. Um, How important was it to you, Dominic, to come back to Tulsa to work for True? and, And why did you make the decision to do that? It was vitally important. It was something that becoming familiar with the city, with, with all of the benefits of living here during my time at the University of Tulsa, I knew eventually that, that I wanted to be back in this area. And the reality was that I, my, my wife, who I met in the program, is also a part of that, went through that same program. We mm. went out to the, the East Coast together, and that was much of her family is in this area. So that was kind of a, uh, a closed deal for me. It was something I knew eventually we'd be back here, and, and I was excited for that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, and for the folks just joining us, you were working for the NSA at the time. I mean, you were at kind of at the top of the, the cybersecurity world in terms of national defense, yet you made the choice to come back to Tulsa. And this was before. I mean, you were kind of on the vanguard of establishing cybersecurity as a business here in Tulsa. That was quite a gamble. It was, and it wasn't. It was one of those like we knew. So there weren't a lot of um, opportunities in the cybersecurity space with firms here locally at the time. Um, so it was one of those if we wanted to come back, we knew we had to try something. So it was a, it was an easy gamble to make. Mm. But but we there was enough going on at the time to know that there would be opportunity, and and I was very familiar with the, the other TU graduates that were a part of, of forming this company with me to say, these are really good, intelligent people. We'll figure something out. That's what, And that was very much the early days was about kind of figuring out, okay, what, there are so many ways that we can succeed in this field. What do we want to focus on? Where do we want to help people? How big is your company now? At this point, uh, we, we've merged with a few other companies over the last year. We're about 80 people um, mm-hmm. with three primary locations, one of them being here in Tulsa, another one in, in South Florida, and the other up in the New York City area. And as you listen to this discussion about Tulsa becoming a possible Silicon Valley of cybersecurity, does that strike you as, no, oh, that's nice, but it's not really going to be that? Or, or do you think that, that that is more than hyperbole? I think it's a legitimate possibility. There are enough people who are, uh, in terms of the, the University of Tulsa, uh, the city of Tulsa and other large influential organizations in our area, like like GKFF, the George Kaiser Family Foundation, who are very much invested in making this happen, giving it an opportunity. We have a lot of the right players, a lot of the right um, organizations that that it could happen. I mean, just an easy kind of anecdotal type of story to say that the reputation that the university has outside of this space. Um, I was fortunate to be a part of the, the first CyberCorps class to go through the University of Tulsa, and we went out along with many of my classmates out to the East Coast, the D.C. area, uh, to work with the, the NSA, CIA, other three-letter agencies out in the area. And even in the early days, um, we were playfully referred to as the, the Tulsa Mafia. Wow. There were so many of us. There was a reputation outside of this region that, that people that are here that, that know of TU but, but aren't really familiar with the program didn't recognize is CyberCorps just the nickname for that curriculum, Sal? Well, that is a particular program. So the CyberCorps program is a scholarship program that receives funding from the United States government uh-huh. and with the goal of training 
really, really good students. They're very highly selective to get into CyberCore. So Dominic is is one of the few, I guess you can say. Um, they you have to uh, you have to be really good to get in the program. But there are other programs at the University of Tulsa. So in recent years, we we now have uh, two different masters of cybersecurity. We have uh, our newest. One is a online professional master in cybersecurity program so that we can get the education out to working professionals that are already doing um, jobs and and help their organizations become better and more secure. And you don't have to be a computer scientist to do cybersecurity. Cybersecurity, it's it's great. We ne- we definitely need people with hands on the keyboard that, that know their Linux and their Unix and their networking and stuff like that. But as we've talked about during the break, there's many different aspects of cybersecurity that are related to people and training and uh, and processes. So Dominic was mentioning, you know, HIPAA and things like that. You don't have to be a computer expert to be in the cybersecurity field and make tremendous improvements and impacts on your organization. Well, we'll see what impact and what improvement we can make each of us at home in our own personal uh, cybersecurity. We tell you the three big things you need to know every 15 minutes, minutes. all day. Now back to the KRMG Morning News 8 a.m. in-depth hour on News 1023 K. RMG. You might want to mention how users and email play an important role in, you know, defending against uh, cyber attacks as well. Thanks for the information. Appreciate your help. Talking cybersecurity, special KRMG 8 a.m. in-depth hour. I'm Dan Potter, along with Sal Aragema, TU Assistant Professor of Computer Information Systems, and Dominic Schulte, TU graduate and president of True Digital Security. Uh, Sal, I think it was you that said that that is uh, emails and people clicking on attachments is the number one way that that hackers and and other black hats get at our stuff, right? Yeah, and it really goes to show that um, while we do have great systems and firewalls and all sorts of artificial intelligence, machine learning, trying to protect our networks, the bad guys know this. So what they do is they go after us because we're kind of like we're the we're on the inside already. So if someone can send us an email that has a a link in it that we can go and maybe provide our credentials because we think we're going to a proper website or click on a file that has malicious code in it and we're susceptible and vulnerable to it, that's just so much easier than going trying to go through the the wall of defenses that an organization puts up. So um yeah, email security absolutely vital. Dom, how do you how do you train a company and its employees uh, to be aware of that fact that they are the biggest vulnerability? You have to take a multifaceted approach. It's something where you have to constantly stay in front of people <clears throat> through, you know, in-person training, computer-based training, sending email to them. It's just trying to remind repeatedly because as we all know it just takes one time it just takes one mistake so if if you go too long and it's not top of mind they get an email that's especially enticing that one click can erase all of the other protections all of the other efforts that you're making to keep them out got to get to the internet of things here before we run out of time i mentioned before the break that you know from now on things like your thermostat and maybe the toy in your kid's room are going to be points of uh, vulnerability for cyber attackers we got this via open mic i think it was a kids movie about how uh this one particular group could use all of the wi-fi connected things in your house like printers tvs refrigerators your electricity and use it together to make an attack on people. Is that possible? Is that possible? 
I don't know about using it together. Um, they could definitely use any one of those points as, as a point of entry. I mean, that, that's the challenge to go back to the cat and mouse game. It's something where... So they go in through something smart on the Internet of Things. They get into your router, then they get into your computer that way, right? Exactly. Yeah, part of the problem is is that we're buying these devices and we like cheap devices, right? So the companies that make these devices, they're not making a lot of money off them. So how much money are they going to invest in security? Mm. The other part of it is, is you know, we're used to replacing our phones, thanks to good marketing, every two to three years. Uh, but you're not going to replace your refrigerator for 10 years, maybe 15 years, depending on how it's working. And, and the same thing with your thermostat. So the problems we have is that we don't refresh those devices. So when they're are vulnerabilities, that's what the bad guys go after. And they're going to be around for sometimes decades. So it's it's a really big problem going forward. The Internet of Things, I, I wouldn't say it's a like Dominic said, a coordinated using your house to attack you kind of thing, but you are going to be part of probably some botnet, if you're not really careful, that is used to attack others. Wow. And so you really do have to be conscious of how many of these things you plug in and uh, and if you are taking any level of security. I, I got to get to this before we go. Sal is the coach of the TU Cyber Defense Competition Team, correct? You guys had a big competition over the weekend. We did the Southwest Regional uh, Collegiate Cyber Defense Competition. It's hosted by the University of Tulsa. It's actually former graduates of the University of Tulsa and other volunteers will run it. TU hosts it by providing um, a location for it and network connectivity. But we brought eight teams in from the region, um, whittled it down from 22, 235 colleges across the United States competing it. I'm very proud to say that the University of Tulsa team uh, won the Southwest Regionals and we're headed to the national championships in Orlando, Florida wow. later next month. Well, so, how does that competition work? You're given the same problem to solve? Oh, all the it's, teams, it's, uh, it's funny. It's, it's basically what happens is, is you have a team of eight college students that don't have courses on this. They're self-taught. They work oh, together. Wow. They're teams. You walk into a room that like, oh, by the way, the uh, entire IT staff got kidnapped or decided to quit. And you don't. You have a bunch of machines. You have to break into them yourself, oh. and then keep your services up and running because you work for a company that makes money, and you need to have those services up. This year's uh, competition was a, a play on Jurassic Park called Triassic Park, and we had to keep the electric fences up to keep the dinosaurs from eating us. <laughs> um, but it's it was basically kind of from what I've seen a year's worth of reacting to professional red teamers, professional hackers attacking you. We we have we brought them in from great companies like Walmart, which are the best in the world. Wow. And we we have our students break in, operate the network while having professional hackers try to take down the services. Oh, so it's, cool. it's the best possible training. You can get wonderful experience and and I'm really proud of our students oh, yeah. going to nationals. Congratulations. Good luck at nationals. And thank you to both of you for being here and, and enjoy the conference. I, I look forward to hearing what kinds of issues get talked about and, and what kind of uh, progress is made. Sal, thanks. Thank you. Dominic, thank you. Thank you. Dominic Schulte is with True Digital Security here in Tulsa and Sal Aragema, TU Assistant Professor of Computer Information Systems. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 